This Coach Me Up podcast is powered by our friends at One Country. Every month, One Country members are entered into amazing giveaways that do great stuff. Each giveaway gives back to a great cause because One Country believes that when you get, you give. Visit onecountry.com slash coach to become a member and get your first month free. Again, go to onecountry.com slash coach and experience winning that gives back. Also, our friends at Blue Delta Jeans. They make the best fitting, most comfortable jeans in the world because they are uniquely made for you and only you. Raw denim jeans, custom fit and hand tailored in Tupelo, Mississippi. One size fits one at bluedeltajeans.com. And by Connexial, the live supply chain company connecting one to all through superb technology and solutions to drive life. Fleet owners and logistics professionals trust Connexial to coach up their drivers, improving safety, costs, and compliance. Visit Connexial.com slash coach for more information. It's the Coach Me Up podcast again. I'm Jimmy Dykes. My co-host, as always, is Chris Burke. Chris, I've told you a long time that a lot of guys I respect, none more than Conzo Martin. Uh, you love him because he was at one time a Tennessee mm-hmm. basketball coach. So I know you all, you all you've all for life guys are always tightly connected in some <laughs> form or fashion. But man, he's going to do a great job today of coaching us up. You like him, right? Yeah, I'm excited to be coached up by one of the toughest guys college basketball has ever seen. So dive in here with us. Let's get coached up by Conzo Martin. Chris, there's not a guest we've had on this podcast that I respect more uh, than Conzo Martin. And I've known Coach for a a long time now, since his days back at uh, Tennessee, and then he came back into the SEC at Missouri, and uh, I've gotten to know him on a a personal level. I I, I wish I knew him deeper on a personal level because his his story and who he is. Chris, I'm sure in baseball you come across guys that you say, if I could have my son play for someone, it would be him. And that's how I always felt about Conzo. He was the real deal. So, uh, Coach, it's great to have you with us. Just tell us where you where you are in life right now. You're not you're not coaching currently. Uh, been out of it for about a year and a half now. So, tell fill us in where what what is going on with Conzo Mart. Well, I'm not coaching now, but my it seems as if my daughter is coaching me. So, so, so we <laughs> we just traded roles. But, but but it's but it's great, man. I, we live in Florida, Windermere, Florida. Uh, so basically, a suburb over Orlando. And it's been great, man. The sun, uh, walking my dog, uh, just having good times, taking my daughter to school every morning. That that part is great. I uh, just. Really enjoying life, man, and, and somewhat of a relief uh, from the basketball world in, in the trenches every day. Because, again, as you know, it's, that's 365 days a year. I don't care what, what they say, season in or out, you in it because you're dealing with young souls. And that takes uh, a lot from you, from you and your staff, from an administrative standpoint. And uh, so I'm happy to be sitting where I sit today. What's that, what's that season like, Coach? You, you're in it. You're in the trenches, as you so well put it. And then you're totally out. Like, how long does it take you to, like, really get around the fact that you're not answering to a schedule, to a recruiting calendar, to alumni? Like, how long does it take you to detox, so to speak, from that? For me, uh, I guess in talking with my wife, it probably took, um, so my last time with Missoula, end of March 15th, I'm going to say March 15th, 16th, I would say really about, you know, December, January, because what happens, you, you have to realize from the time I was a little guy in sports, uh, then leaving East St. Louis, I've been going, you know, 18 years old, I left East St. Louis, went to prep school, then went to Purdue and just going and going and going. And now at 52, where that, at that time, was you know, 51, uh, 50 going on 51. And it was as if uh, my wife was just like, this is great. You get a chance to relax. If, if that's a desire to coach again, okay, great. You can do that. But, but right now you get a chance to relax. Well, I didn't understand that. And I, I didn't know what that meant because I was always going. And uh, I, I would say around late December, January uh, of 22, it's kind of like, <sighs> that, was, that, yeah. was a, that was a peace of mind and, and a grace that, that fell over me. And God just said, okay, it's time. Just relax. Because it's like, it. I was feeling as if, and, and there were certain games I could watch and couldn't watch. Like it, it was hard to, in a good way, to watch Purdue because it felt like I was on the sidelines because of my relationships with Purdue. My son is at Purdue. So, so people I had intimate relationships with, it was as if I was on the staff. And you know, those ups and downs, those emotions, like, shh, 
man, let, let me just listen upstairs while the game is on TV downstairs. That, I mean, really, it was just like, like, and, and just to kind of find that, that peace, because when you're in it, you're in it, and it's all, and it's really, it's all you know. I, I don't care if you've got a degree to do this and do that, but that's what you know, and that's who I am. I identify with helping and developing young men, not so much the universities I coached at, but I identify with giving everything I got to help young souls. And, uh, so it so I say around January it was just a, a peace fell over me and a calmness and then it was like okay I'm good. Conzo, you've uh, I believe you still hold the record for 137 straight games played at Purdue. Chris, you talk about a durable guy that that's all he knew was to get up and fight every day. And coach, I got to think that uh, that spirit, that mentality, uh, was hugely important to you with your battle with cancer. Uh, can you just give us a, the, the quick cliff notes of that battle and, and what it taught you? I mean, I, I guess the backdrop of all of that is it was really uh, to when, you, when you see your mom is at a young age, but you, you don't know when you're younger because it's just really putting food on the table. And you don't really know what that means. You just think food falls out of the trees. <laughs> yep. So yeah. so so you, when your mom, she's working as a, as a maid at some point, so she's also working at a sports bar at night to make ends meet. Uh, and raising four children, uh, and you just go and you just know there's enough on the table. Uh, you, you knew you had enough, and everybody around you just had enough. So it wasn't like somebody had more than you. Somebody maybe a little bit more here and there, but it wasn't a big difference. And so just to see her work, and, and never really, I don't think I've ever really seen her complain as a youth. I don't think I saw that. Um, and she would do different things, just like she would take us to home shows and Outside of St. Louis, when you're talking about towns like Clayton, Ladue, Chesterfield, where they had those beautiful dream homes, and she would take us to those homes and just say, she would always say, just dream big, just dream big. And we would take the, you know, the bi-state bus lines to these home shows. And it didn't resonate till you get old, all of a sudden, 16, 17, 18. Then when you leave home, it's like, whoa, okay, now I see the world. I see the world differently. And I know there's a lot of work that needs to be done. So one thing I knew, about East St. Louis, uh, a lot of beautiful people, wonderful souls, people that are so many people that touched my life. But when you went home, there were not a lot of industries, companies, or corporations in East St. Louis, but it was a lot of love. Well, we all know we can't survive on love alone, so there has to be a lot of work to get done. So for me, it was just not allowing anybody to ever outwork me because I always felt like two things I can control was my work ethic and, and my abilities, whatever, whatever. I maximize the gifts God gave me. And I've never been a jealous type of person to be, oh, why, why did God give him that? If I was 16, if I was the, that was that was never me. I was always blessed with the ability to love who I am and be the best version of me because what God did give me ability to do was to lead. And, uh, and I always felt if I can do that, I can be more, I can see more, I can give more, I can love more. Then ultimately when you do all those things, you'll live more. So mm. for me, that's what it was all about. That, there's a lot there. Um, Jimmy brought up something that, that uh, forgive me if I'm going from, I, don't, I wouldn't say from deep to shallow, but maybe for, for a little more relevant in the uh, modern culture. I, I, you know, Jimmy and I are on TV, so we, we got to both try very hard to not be like the old guys. Who, well, back when I was growing <laughs> up, you know, and, but by the same token, there, you know, there's some difference and it's not the kid's fault, right? Like nobody would know that more than you. Yes. You played in a hundred whatever, 40 straight games. Let's be honest, the training staff, the nutrition staff, the, the all those kinds of things were totally different, right? And you played at Purdue. It wasn't like you played at some D3 school that didn't have means. You were at Purdue, and yet things were totally different. When, when, you know, I, I joke at the guys at Tennessee. When I was at Tennessee, we had one cage and the roof leaked. Yeah. <laughs> you know, now they now they got eight indoor cages. Or you get in with a thumbprint, you know. I laugh all the time. I tell people this, like the, the modern day amenities are so much better. I'm not trying to, and I'm not saying the game isn't better and the players aren't better. I'm not saying that. By the same token, Allen Houston and Chris Lofton still hold all the records at Tennessee. Like they didn't have indoor or shooting facilities. All, all you know, Todd Hell's still the best hitter ever played at Tennessee. He didn't have all, like, it's just interesting, right? I'm not trying to go there, but I am kind of trying to go there. So just humor me. Here's, here's what I want. Here's what I'd love to know. Cause I always said, if I was a head coach, I wouldn't be able to talk to the trainer. Like, just tell me who can play and who can't, because if I get involved, I'm going to end up getting sued, right? Like, how do you how do you manage how do you manage being the guy who beat cancer, grew up in East St. Louis, played in every single game you ever had a chance to tie your sneakers up with? 
with modern day. And again, I'm not even really blaming the kids because it's kind of the culture yes. we've come up in with the modern day, like, well, coach, so-and-so needs a day or, or so-and-so, I don't know if he can go. Like, I would love to hear how you literally like practically managed uh, somebody that's so tough that is known as being so tough as you with also the reality of modern day sports, which is, you know, the, the, the kids are brought up in a different with a different mindset. I mean, look at the modern day NBA, right? They just had to put rules in place to make the dudes play like like they had to mandate it. I, I just anyway. So humor me here. I'd love to have this conversation with you because nobody's a better guy to talk to about it than you. Well, I, I think the first thing uh, you, you are who you are. And with that being said, you have to live your values. And I think that is very important. You have to be consistent in your approach, especially as a leader. And then in that, when you're dealing with young men and women, I think the most important thing we always have to do, we can't get caught up on the surface of what people think or how we should coach our teams. I think as a coach, a teacher and a leader, you have to apply discipline. And oftentimes that, that word is a tough word. When we were growing up, that was a normal word. That was a regular conversation. You could use discipline. But now you have to figure out a, a, a better way to you, because it's, it's as if when you say discipline, it's almost as if you're pointing your finger in a kid's face when they see it. But so we have to figure out another word, but we have to apply discipline. But also in teaching, I've always said to our guys, discipline is another form of love. And it's very important to understand that I discipline because I care about you and I love you. But I think more than ever, we have to get young men and women to focus. Uh, and, and, and I think that's easier said than done. So that means we have to be precise on what we're saying. We have to be clear about it. And we have to be consistent with what we're saying and doing. Because when you start throwing a lot of different information at young minds, they already have so much stuff going on in their current world with social media platforms, the obligation of the academic piece, and, and, and the, the rigors of trying to be successful. We have to be clear in our messaging. And I think we have to teach daily. I would always huddle our guys up before and after practice. There was never a day I didn't do it. But in most cases, that was always life stuff. Now, what happens is, I think the biggest thing that's lost in today's game, there's a tremendous amount of talent. There's always been talent. But I think there's a level of grit, toughness, and fight that is lost consistently across the board. Not everybody, because you have some great tough ones. But I think that part is lost. And, and, and what happens is, is, is when you get so used to these pats on your back, they become comfortable. And I think when, when young men and women transition from high school to college, that's the first time they said, no, stop, nope, we're not doing this, how we doing it. And all of a sudden it, it goes from coach doesn't really like me because I'm struggling. Well, you're gonna go through struggles, it's a transition. It doesn't mean you're not talented. But I think what we have to do, as opposed to what we didn't do years ago, we have to talk to them about it ahead of time. So when they step on campus, Instead of making that conversation so sweet in recruiting, we have to let them know, okay, it's going to be tough when you get here. Here's the reason why it's going to be tough. Not because you lack talent, but here's the reason. Because the transition, you're not sleeping in your own bed. You don't have the level of comfort from mom and dad anymore. Mom's, mom used to make that uh, famous spaghetti that you always liked. Then she gets you the two chocolate chip cookies at the end of the night. You don't have that <laughs> comfort anymore. All that is gone. It doesn't mean you lack talent. This is a new transition, so now let me help you. But Proverbs 16, 24 says it best. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. So what we have to do as coaches, like, and we grew up with coaches that was tough, rough around the edges. That was fine, but it's a new day and age. So there's a way we have to deliver our messaging. We can still be tough and gritty as coaches. Like, for example, if we're supposed to run sprints and we're supposed to touch every line, let's make sure we touch every line. That's discipline. That's not degrading you, that's not demeaning. This is what we're supposed to do in order to get where we're trying to go. So I, I think I think we have to be better as parents. I think, I think what is lost is the relationship between parent and coach. I think that part is lost. Uh, there's so much comfort in that relationship and recruiting and getting to know everybody because it's all fuzzy, it's everything's good. But all of a sudden when adversity hits, because I've always said, we don't know if we really have a relationship until adversity hits. Now we know what type of relationship we have. So until that happens, you really don't know. So what we have to continue to do as coaches, we have to continue to breathe hope into these young lives because when they lose hope, they lose their ability to believe. And when you have a young man, a young woman that lose the ability to believe, they ultimately lose their determination, their confidence, their resiliency, and their faith. And when that happens, whoo, it's yeah. tough for everybody. Conzie, you, you, two things. Uh, Some good stuff there, Coach. Really I want to go stuff. back. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I want to go back to what you said. And I wrote down quickly, 
Love more, give more, live more. There was one other. What was the other one? Uh, be more. Be more. Okay. That To me, what you just said there, love more, be more, give more, live more. Yes. That's a follower of Jesus, is it not? Without question. <laughs> Without question. So you, I want you to expand on that for me because I, I, I love, I've never heard this put that simply. And tell me how you, how you stumbled upon that or came upon that and how does that relate to your walk with Jesus? Well, I just think for me, I've well, again, I, I, I'll go back to my walk with Jesus. I can give you that. Then, I'll, if I don't answer it, please bring that back to me, Jimmy. But when uh, when I was a senior, going to my senior year of college, uh, the landlord of the apartment complex where I lived in, Joe Lives, saves a wonderful man. He asked me to go to church with him one day. It was in the summertime, and uh, I went to church with him. And then when I'm sitting there, we're sitting, and it's almost as if. He hinted to pass on stuff I was going through. It's almost <laughs> as if the pastor was talking directly to me. I love those like, stories. I love one those stories. Really huh? <laughs> one of those stories. One of those stories. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> so, so, and, it, and I just felt it from that point on. Then I changed my life and I gave my life to Christ and then just really studying and learning. But not until I was at, when I was at uh, Tennessee, so this is 2013, walking down those train tracks. Uh, they, they have the restaurant right there, and then they have the the, the water. Yeah. I forgot the restaurant Tennessee right there. Tennessee Grill, Calhoun's. Train. Calhoun's. Yes, Calhoun's. Yeah, Calhoun's. Calhoun's. Yeah. So I so I used to walk a lot. So I was walking on those train tracks, just walking, had my headphones on, and it just got to a point when it's I don't know if I was what I was listening to. I had read some previously, and I just said, God, I said, you know what? I'm tired of running. I said, I'm tired of running for. I want I want to be the lion chaser instead of running for the from the lion. And it just, but what I also said in that, I said, God. Um, when you give me an assignment, uh, and if it's too tough for me, because he, it, it says he will never give you anything that you can't bear. So I said, God, if that assignment is too tough for me, then you give me the strength to get back up. But also what I said, if that assignment gets too tough and you never allow me to get back up, that means I'm home with you, eternal living. And I said, then you have to take care of the family that you provided for me. And that was a trade-off. So for me, it's, it seems as if, since I was a kid, God has always had that thorn in my side. And I think that's a beautiful thing because that means he trusts me, believes in me, and he's counting on me. So I have to be consistent in my daily approach and what I'm saying and what I'm doing. So back to what you're saying, Jimmy, just when you love more, live more, be more, do more, and give more, that is life. And if we all can truly live by that, I mean, all walks of life all over this world, we truly can live. We, if we walk out of our door every morning with that mentality, Imagine what this world would be, what it would really be like. We would never see any color. We wouldn't see anything, just beautiful people. No, don't, don't mean we, don't, we won't disagree, we'll have arguments, because I think arguments are great if, we, if we're all trying to reach a common goal for everybody to be successful. But I think what I try to do, Jimmy, is in my prayers all the time, because I, I pray to God, I mean, I, I don't think there's an hour that goes by a day where I'm not talking to him, because I figure if he's my father, and who's better to talk to without nobody getting in my business, nobody's judging me. So I don't think I go an hour without ever talking to him. I mean, it's just a relationship, and, and I like to think I argue at him, not, not that he he probably not listen to that part, but I mean, it's just, you get stuff off your chest and you deal with whatever you deal with, but, but what happens is, what I found in all of that, there's love, appreciation and respect there. So if I move like that every day, because it don't, it, you don't have to walk around as a big, tough, mean guy and all that. And people, it's, it's so funny when people see me on the sidelines, like, man, that guy's tough. But then when they see me in person, they're around me like, this guy's actually a nice guy, you know, just, so I don't know what I was looking like on that sideline, man, but it just, <laughs> but, I do. but it's all good. <laughs> but it just, but what, what happens though, Jimmy, when I approach the game, I approached the game because it was my life. It wasn't something I was doing. It wasn't something I was paid to do. Of course, I was hired to do a job, but it was my life. And, and I always felt like if we could play as hard as we can play, and we can play together, and we can do all these things with integrity, with, in, with integrity, then we never have to look at the scoreboard. We're already winning. Chris, let me let me jump back in here. I, I, that's two in a row for me, and then Chris, yeah, you can go, have the next no, go one. right I'm ahead. Try to go, go back ahead. and forth. Hey, Coach, Chris will keep score on me. <laughs> He'll keep score on me if I go two in a row. <laughs> so, I love the, keeps the no records are wrong, Jimmy. So go right ahead. <laughs> you you're talking about relationships with with players and people, and you said you really don't know how strong that relationship is until. Adversity hits. Mm, that was a great line. 
is that not also true with our walk with Jesus? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's, that's not a question because what happens is, but but even in that, I think in, in our walk with Christ, what, what happens, here's the hard part, in my opinion. You question because you truly don't believe. See, when you really believe, then you know, you know there's an ending at some point. You know that. So why not be the best version I can be today? Because tomorrow might not present itself. And I know there's a God. See, I realize there's a God, not because of what I went through with cancer, but, but he showed me so many different things. And, he, and he's continued to present so many things, Jim. There's so many things I've turned down the past year. So it's like, God, man, I, I thank you. I thank you. I believe you. But I just think the biggest key in your relationship with Christ is the trust part. And I think what happens, we have so many young men and women that are turning from church because of what we're not presenting. I think we have to we have to be truthful in our church. We have to be honest in our churches because, again, I, I've always felt like this, Jimmy, just my two cents, and hopefully I'm not offending anybody in, in the church settings, but if I am, then we can always talk about it to grow and get better. But I've always felt like if there, are, if there is ever a crisis in any community, then the first, person, first people we turn to are the churches. That it, 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 sh- it shouldn't go because the church encompasses everybody, police yep. officers, firemen, lawyers, doctors, everybody attends the church. And then the other part is what, what I've always found strange, and I, and I, I don't want to get off on somewhere I'm talking a racial tangent. I'm not talking about that, but I just want to make a point. If we all people, we all love. Okay, so there's a, uh, an issue that happened um, Say I'm going to use East St. Louis. Something happens in East St. Louis, a crime, a young black kid was killed by somebody of another race. Okay. Well, why don't all the churches, all denominations, white, black, everybody, why don't we all come together to solve this situation? Because that's one of our children. Mm-hmm. He, he's he's yeah. not a black kid or he's not a white kid or a, a Spanish speaker. That's one of our children. Yeah. So why don't we all come together to solve this situation? Because it's all of us. And I think we have to get better than that. But I, I just think, because what, what, what I always say, and I take it down to the, to the, to the very essence of faith. You, if you don't love all walks of life, not that you have to agree with everything. And when something happens to a community, that sort of thing, do you really believe there's a God? Because he says, love your neighbor. Those are, it's two most important commandments and love him. So now, then that means you don't live by that. I just want to interrupt us for a second to remind everyone that our Coach Me Up podcast is powered by our friends at One Country. Go to onecountry.com, check out what they're doing. They have a fantastic giveaway each month, and they are phenomenal at when you get, you give. They have a huge heart for giving to others. So jump in there, become a member of their team as well. Those are my friends here in Northwest Arkansas, and this podcast isn't possible without One Country. Uh, you 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 mentioned earlier talking to God and talking to him to him every hour. I, I was I was looking up uh, one of so in in Mark in, we see it a couple times in in the Gospels where Jesus refers to God as Abba Abba Father, which is essentially the, you know our, our English version would be Daddy. Uh, it, it's my dad, you know, it's my daddy. Like there's a there's a kinship there. It's it's your um, it's a very uh, sweet personal term, right? To call God Abba Father. That's the translation of it. And in Romans uh, chapter 8, verse 15, uh, Paul writes, The spirit you've received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. This thought process that through Jesus we can approach God as as dad, right? He he loves us. He cares about us, and and uh, it's a personal relationship. And I, I I think it's a very powerful thing. I'd love to hear you coach us up, Conzo, uh, on what you just said, which is I think sometimes we can be saved and we can um, believe believe in the Lord and even believe the Lord uh, and not necessarily view Him as Abba Father. Uh, as dad and that he cares about 
the little things in our life. Not just, like you said, not just because I had cancer, but because I walk with the Lord. I, I walk with him. I talk with him. We, you know, he's, and I would, I would love to hear you coach us up on the, on the personal relationship side and how you develop the personal relationship side to be able to have that interaction and that, that daily uh, connection with the Lord on a much more personal level than just somebody's sick. Please answer my prayers. Mm. Well, again, I talk to him all the time. Uh, um, and, and for me, it's, it's the simple prayers of thank you. I don't, I don't take for what I, what I don't take for granted is the word. Thank you. I say, thank you, God. Thank you, man, for allowing me to get up. Um, uh, thank you for allowing me to walk. I mean, thank you. Because I, when I, when, for example, when I, when I leave out of the house, when I, I take my daughter to school, my wife and I will we'll walk the dog for normally an average of 1.8 miles. We walk, we see the lake, the dog plays in the lake. I'm, I see the trees, the grass. It's almost as now uh, you're going so fast, but now I can hear the squirrels. Not only see them, but I can hear them. And it's like I said, God, thank you for all that. And, and, and I go back to, because I, I try to appreciate just life, because think about it, you, you, have, you have men and women uh, that are in the hospital and they'll never see another day. They're living by the hour, by the second. You have men and women that are in prison that would never see another piece of daylight. Some of them 23 hours locked down, all of a sudden you get an hour of sunlight. So here I am, I get to walk in my sandals, in the sand, I see water. I, I can go buy a cup of coffee, because I, I have a, a, a cup of quarters where I can buy some coffee. I, I can go, my wife and I, let's go, let's go out to dinner tonight, I can do that. And then I say, man, let me walk down the street. Uh, my wife, you've been great. Let me, let me go over and sneak over and get her this rose. Here, I love you, and you're, you're a wonderful person. I, I can do that. Or my daughter said, okay, my daughter said, dad, let's, let's go together and, and get our nails done. Okay, all right, let's go. Let's go. Well, I can actually do that. There's a peace of mind there, so I don't take any little thing for granted because I know tomorrow is not promised to me. So for me, I, I, I've, I've gotten to the point if I don't flinch when I see adversity because I know it's a part of life. Even in great wins, I say, thank you, God. Tough losses, I would always say, I wouldn't always say, I'm be honest, I wouldn't always say thank you for that loss, but I would always say, what do you want me to see in this assignment? Say so there was a loss. Okay, you should have won that game. And, it's, and I would say, now, what do you want me to see out of this? Or if you're dealing with a young man that like God, how do you want me to handle this? What, what am I supposed to see in this situation? I never took those small things for granted because I knew they all meant something. And then, as we, we all know on this call right here, he, he says, if you walk with me, there will be bumps in the road. So you have to be prepared to deal with that. But we can't lose hope. I think that's the most important thing. And I've never lost hope in him. I believe in him. And I, and I pray. Now, one thing I one of them, I pray many things, but what I do pray all the time, God, would you come down and please I me? Mean, he's omnipresent. So he's everywhere. I say, God, would you intervene on this world at some point? Because, man, this is rough. This is rough. The things that go on in this world, when will you intervene? Because I say, I'm not sure we can do it alone. Conzo, I don't, uh, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of coaches that listen to this, a lot of administrators, and just a lot of people in general, they're just, they're battling through life, and it doesn't always go our way, okay? It, it, it didn't always go your way, um, but, I, but I don't sense any resentment, bitterness, uh, anger within your heart, how did you keep that from happening when it didn't go your way at Missouri? And if it did, how did how did you get that out of your heart? Because it's it's not in your heart now. There's there's a lot of people that have those things in their heart. What would you tell them? Coach us up on that. Oh, that's that's easy. First of all, you're hired to do a job. As simple as that. Now, what you do in that job because you're hired to do a job, it's on you what you do in that job. For me, it's always been to make sure, of course respect everything about the university, learn and respect all walks of life in the university, administrative, Bursar's office, all respect all professors, respect all that, because that's very important. But also understand, uh, you as a leader, you're good enough, you're smart enough, and you're worthy. That's it. Because I think what, and I'm speaking with me, when you grew up as a, as a young black man, you had the stereotypes for so long, 
Are you smart enough? Are you good enough? You hear all of that, and it plays in your mind, and you realize you're good enough, you're smart enough, all those things. But for me, and I think for all coaches, you, you make excuses about what happened. You can gripe, man. If a university or a company wants to go in a different direction, that's their right. I mean, as simple as that. But what for me, what I've always done, I always confront, and and I have a, a, a phenomenal wife and a life partner, my wife, Roberta. She was in the corporate world for years. So again, I always confront what's wrong, meaning me. And I don't comfort what's wrong. See, there's a difference. You have to be able to see it. See, see, if you look at, it's like, like if you guys came to my house, you might not see it, but my mirror, when I look in, the, in my mirror in, in, in my bathroom, it's a broken mirror. But that's a beautiful thing because I see all my scars. That's a beautiful thing. So I say, God, thank you for that assignment. Who has a better story to tell, one with scars or one with none? I mean, so, so, it's, so that's, that's life. I, I embrace all of that. And, 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 and I've, I've never felt, I've never seen a greater warrior than my mom. And as a beautiful soul, I mean, she's soft as probably that pillow you lay on, but she's a beautiful soul. And it just, and I've never seen a warrior that's just, I won't let up. So now who am I to quit and give up when times get hard? If somebody want to go in a different direction, that's life. That's, I, I mean, now, if I'd have lost my wife or lost one of my children, that's something different. But everything else is busy. As long as I know one thing I know, I maximize everything I had in me. After that, let the chips fall where they may. That's well said. The, the scars piece, and, and I think about your upbringing in East St. Louis, I I've, I've, uh, can't imagine the, the daily uh, grind of, of, of waking up in East St. Louis and, and think about your journey as a player and assistant coach and all those kinds of things. And who better to speak on dealing with you know, cancer, dealing with adversity than you? Um, is, is there a scripture, Coach, that you learned early that helped that you would cling to in, in the most desperate of times? To, uh, coach us up on that. Oh, the, 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 for me, the best one of all times. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, and all your ways acknowledge him. Ah, that is very hard to do. Um, and if it was just me on this earth, meaning my family, because obviously wife and three children, if, if, if it was just me, then that, I could live that easy. But when you have a wife and then you have children, that's, that's where it gets tough because um, one, one of the guys that I, uh, when I was an assistant coach at Purdue, I was on the elevator. One of the guys that played there, his dad, Bobby Riddell, great guy. And his dad says something. His dad's obviously a grandfather because his, Bobby's had children now. And his dad says something. He said, you know, uh, as a parent, <clears throat> you're only as happy as your saddest child. And it took me about 35 seconds to process it off the elevator. Maybe my mind went clicking that morning, right? But it's like, so when I got off the elevator, I said, wow, he was correct. So it, does, so it doesn't matter how old your children get. Because even with, with my son, 26, want to be 22 on Thanksgiving, my daughter will be 16. I still see him as that, that baby. Like, I, I seen him for the first time. I actually saw him before my wife. So I seen him for the first time. That That is my soul. That is me. That is... For me, that is everything, each one of them. So, so when you say trust, so so like if they having an issue, God, I got to trust you, man, but I, God, I got to trust you. But there's so many unknowns in it because they have to live their lives. So I can only imagine how my mom used to feel and pray when my brother and I, we go out at, at night and different things. Again, my mom worked at a celebrity room at a sports bar, so she probably came home at two or three in the morning. So my brother and I, we out ripping and running. My brother ended up spending 10 years in prison. Uh, and he's a phenomenal guy, but it just stuff happens, man. It just, so I can only imagine the stress and the toll it took on her. Uh, but but as, as a parent, it, just, it, it never stops. It just, but we keep pushing forward. But Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, I have to consistently lean on them and trust and believe. And that, now, it's not easy, though, uh, but I do it. Coach, I, I think I uh, 
we be respectful of your time here, but <laughs> you played well. <clears throat> not a tougher guy to ever play the game than Conzo Martin, Chris. Not there, there's not. You could tie, you could tie him, I guess, in toughness. But you you can't exceed who he was, how he played, defensive stopper, uh, and a phenomenal three point shooter. And the guy he played for, obviously Gene Cady, uh, as tough as there's ever been. And Conzo knows that. Uh, Conzo, remember me telling you a story when I first moved to Fayetteville, Arkansas. I think it's in the my ninth grade year. And back then, you just, your entertainment was riding bikes up and down the street, you know, going to somebody's house and hooping on in the in the in the driveway. I remember my, my first day took off the guy across the street, riding down the street to go play ball. He said, Hey, what do not ride your bike through that house down there on the right? That that man is mean. It's Coach Katie. <laughs> it's Coach Katie's house. <laughs> he, do not ride your bike across that man's yard. I'm just telling you. Do not do it. And, uh, man, I'm sure Conzo's got a, a ton of stories about that guy. But, man, as a, in terms of dedication, discipline, defense was stamped on the back of our shorts at Arkansas. Coach Katie carried all that with him as well, right, Coach? Yes, he did. He was, uh, he was, a, he was a tough man. But, you know, really, and I say this respectfully, yes, he was, he was as tough as they come, but he was also a teddy bear. Coach was uh, – he was one of yeah. those guys. He was – Back then, he was he was rare. Similar to my high school coach, they they never degraded you uh, back then. Because you know, back then, and you didn't, you didn't realize it was degrading you when coaches said certain words and terms back then, and because it was kind of understood. But they, I never heard those two guys use those type of words. Uh, they pushed you hard. They they were great leaders. They were tough men. And 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 I. It was a joy for me to, to be on Coach Katie's staff because I had a chance to see him in a different light, uh, see him behind the scenes. And, and really, he was just just like everybody else, wanted to be successful, wanted to make sure that young men reached their dreams, even in recruiting me. And there was a lot of stuff going around when I was being recruited, money thrown, all these things. And Coach Katie came in, he just said, uh, if you go to class every day, he'll get a degree. If you work hard, he will play. And uh, the night before I was going to make a decision between really Purdue and Connecticut, my mom just said, Coach Katie seems like a good man. And, it, and I, I chose to go to Purdue. And, and he stood true to his word. He pushed me every day. But the thing about it, what you find, I think what, what people lose sight of when you said a coach is a tough coach. I, I, I don't know what that means uh, when you said tough coach. You're just teaching. But for the sake of what we're talking about, when they say coach is a tough guy, what you realize, if you're a good player, if you work hard, you'll never notice their toughness if you do the things you're supposed to do. You only see their level of toughness when you're not doing what you're supposed to do. When you're missing class and you got to run sprints, <laughs> extra sprints, and you got to get everybody up at 5 a.m., yeah. now all of a sudden you realize this guy's tough because you made him exposed who he really is in, 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 a, in a place where he didn't want to go as a coach and as a leader. All you have to do is what you're supposed to do. And Coach Katie always said, you go to class every day, you try your best. We will never have issues. And I try to live by that. Well, you did a phenomenal job. Yeah, of it, I remember uh, when, when uh, on that same note, when I when I committed to Tennessee, I had a local uh, local coach, a uh, local scout say, man, I just played a poor game and I was coming out. And he said, you're going to play at Tennessee for Coach Delmonico? I said, yeah. He said, let me know how it goes when you play like that in front of him, the scout said this to me, which, which first of all, I wanted to backhand. I'm like, thanks a lot, bro. Like, but, but I remember thinking to him, I'm like, this guy don't know my dad. Like, you think I'm worried about my college coach? Like, I got to go ride home an hour and a half with my pops. Like, that's going to be way worse than what, uh, <clears throat> what some college coach would do, which is back to your point earlier about, you know, parents doing their responsibility of, of not sugarcoating adversity and not making everything light and fluffy. Cause you, 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 you weren't worried about Coach Katie being tough because you you already knew what tough was, you know. Um, and you realize actually, like I thought, I love how you just put it tough. And I don't know what tough means because really, you know, that's a good thing. Discipline's a good thing, right? That's a, it has a negative yeah. connotation. But who who if we're really zooming out and thinking clearly, we want our kids to be taught the right things to be uh, have consequences when they don't make good decisions like those are all great life lessons right so tough should have a great connotation to it but um yeah man it's just it's just funny this concept of like people thinking that that's a scary thing to go play for a tough coach i'm like man that's a great thing i want to play for somebody that that pushes me right that's that 
that's the hope yeah. that's the point so but yeah man you played in the in the heyday of katie and knight right i mean that I, I just just take us in there real quick we don't usually finish with light and fluffy stuff but we've hit the heavy stuff what was a game week like when purdue was going to play iu back in the day give us that man it was great uh first off hats off to mm-hmm. coach knight and, and, and I, I will say this he's uh we played indiana that was, that was the one place in the Big Ten I never won. I, I never won wow. at, at Assembly Hall. It was a tough place to play. And I have to have tremendous talent. And Coach Knight was getting one of the best to ever do on the sideline. But the thing with Coach, he, uh, after our game, we played them. Might have been my senior year. And he said, I've never seen a player improve and work as hard as you worked in, in my time mm. as a coach. I've never seen that. And so for me, outside of all the the admiration and, and the words Coach Katie has said to me, that was probably one of the best things somebody ever said. Mm-hmm. Now, I've cherished that because that's that's a guy that's not easily mm-hmm. pleased. You know, he demands a lot. He demands a lot from his players. He had a lot of great players. But for me, that was a true, true compliment. Um, uh, meant a lot to him. But, but those games, man, they, they were tough games. You had so much talent on the floor. And then it's the state of Indiana. You're talking about, in some cases, the Mecca yeah. basketball. Yeah. And, and, and then what happens, and what, you, what you'll see it, the atmosphere is a great talent was great toughness everything you need but what you'll see now is the residual effects of those two successful coaches when you're talking about the coaches in the state of indiana high school grassroots coaches all are very successful coaches because they learned from two of the best that ever coached mm. the game so they grew up around that and you look at you look at all you look at nba you look at around the college you look at guys that played in the state of indiana or grew up in the state of indiana a lot of talented mm. players at all levels Coach, I want to finish up uh, with this. Tell us about your podcast. I've listened to it a, a, a few times. You do a a great, great job with a, with a lot of things. But tell us about it. Title of it. Where, where our listeners can go to. And because I know after listening to this, they're going to want to learn more from you. Good. Well, thank you, thank you, Jimmy. Uh, and I'm glad you're listening, I, I, yeah. Chris. I, I got to. We got to make sure Chris. Yeah, yeah. Give it to me. Um, give me the give it, me the info. Hey, man. It's really it's it, it's all it all counts. Podcast uh, and really. The name came about when I was trying to think of stuff that I say all the time, stuff that was me, not some some branding company, go hire somebody to do all that. It was just me. This is this is really me. And I said, I would say I'll play it all counts. Everything counts in life. I mean, the ups, downs, the highs and lows. And, and for me, some of my best lessons have come via the valleys. I mean, the mountaintops are great, but those valleys, man, I learned some of my best lessons. I enjoy that, man. So. And we've had phenomenal guests, Darius Miles, Lafonso Ellis, Matt Painter did a phenomenal job. We had um, Dr. Brittany Collins because as November is Men's Health Awareness Month. So we actually have another doctor on because that is very important that we uh, tackle some of those issues that we deal with as men. But man, it's, it's, it's been a great ride, man. I enjoy it because I'm learning a lot. I study a lot in there and I've always enjoyed studying, but to know different people, uh, Man, it's just it's it's been great. So I think I think a lot of people, all walks of life, not just so I don't want people to get confused and say this is a basketball podcast. No, this is a life podcast and this is all walks of life. So it's it's great, man. And I thank you guys for having me on your show and I'm looking forward to continue to grow. That's been a blast, Coach. It All Counts Podcast. Yeah, it, it's really, really good. You also, you also could have named it Where's My Coffee? Because <laughs> when he was coaching Chris, man, he always had a cup of coffee on, on, on game day walkthrough. Sit there sipping on that coffee, looking at how we're covering hey, ball screens. I you. Right, Coach? Yeah, I keep it with me. At all. Hey, I, keep it, I keep it with me at all times, man. It just, uh, but, but, you know, I'm transitioning now, trying to, to more tea than coffee. So There you go. We'll okay. Yeah. Coach, I, I love you, man. I hope you know that. You've, you've, you've meant a lot to me over the years, and oh, uh, I'm you, so Jimmy. appreciative of your time and, and learning from you today. Some coaches, when you go just spend time around them, Chris, you, you learn from them. I always do from Conzo. Oh, awesome. So, Conzo, wish you the best, and I know God has his hand upon you. He's going to give you favor going forward wherever he leads you. So thanks again for your time today. No doubt. Thank you guys for having me. You take care. That's a fantastic guy right there, man. His his heart is is real and authentic. Uh, so much that he coaches up on uh, right off the bat. You're only as happy as your saddest child, man. That hit me right in the heart. And when, when your child, or you, no, I don't care, Chris, what age you are. I think you know. I remember when my dad was in his early 80s, and I was going through a tough time when I was coaching. Like looking back, I, I know he was sad because he knew that I was. Mm-hmm having some hard, dark times, and we're going to carry mm-hmm. that for us. But that's the love that a father has 
for their children. That's the love that our Heavenly Father has for us. You know, I'm, I, I'm sure His heart breaks for us at times when we're going through trials or mm-hmm. we've chosen to go down a path, you know. So I, I, I loved how He put that. But, uh, man, so many things to learn from from Him. What, what was your... Give me one of your initial takeaways. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I hit it a little bit, just this, that concept of him just being so connected to the Lord that he's, you know, talking about how he prays to him consistently in the little Hourly. things. Yeah. yeah. And and just that concept, hopefully uh, our listeners are encouraged by that concept uh, in Romans of, of you know, our, our spirit crying out, Abba, Father, this, this, I, God, I know you care for me. Uh, I, I don't know if you would, register with this, but there are things in my day that I'm, eh, I don't need to concern God with that. He doesn't need to be bogged down with this, you know, and, um, and, and really truly viewing God as someone that, that loves us, that cares for us, that, that, that he knows us, but, but he also wants us to allow ourselves to be known. And I, if we think about it in a relationship of our own kids, right. Uh, sure. I, I think my oldest son, is a perfect example of this. He's just not a verbal communicator, just not. And he and I are so alike in some things and we are totally different in other ways. I'm a verbal processor. I've got to get it out and get it out and get it out. He's just not, he's an internalizer. Uh, when he actually opens up and talks to me, it's incredibly beautiful thing. You know, hmm. I want to hear from him. I want to hear, from him. I love him no matter what. And I yeah. forgive him no matter what, or I I, I uh, will do anything for him no matter what. But like, boy, do I love to hear from him, you know? And I think when we think about that in, in kind of our human way to understand that is um, God the Father wants to hear from us. Like he, he does. He's a good, good father. He loves us. He cares about us. And there is no thing too small. That if it matters to us, it matters to him. He's our father. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I've got a note on my computer downstairs that simply says, he continues to put me in places that drive, that forces me to my knees, mm. which is where he wants me to be. You know, Dependent. like to your yeah. point, like he mm-hmm. wants he wants us to talk with him mm-hmm. daily, hourly. Uh, and uh, I was not surprised that Conzo initially went went right there. I go back to his love more, give more, be more, do more which actually equals live more. Man, that's mm. that's Jesus' uh, uh, teaching to us in a nutshell. To love more was the first thing he mm-hmm. taught us, the first and the last thing he taught us. But love more, just think about that love more today as I go about my day. Give more of myself to others today. Be more for others. Do more for others. And ultimately, you are living more when you do that. I, that was quickly, wittingly, beautifully said. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Jesus by, by came coach. that we would have life to the full, right? You think yep. about more, yep. what's a synonym for more would be abundant, right? It's like, you know, in some some versions of that translation would say, uh, Jesus came that we would have life and life in abundance, right? Um, and, and the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, John 10, 10. But Jesus yeah. came that we would have life and have life abundantly. I think that would be a very good verse to tie to that to that phrase of... of uh, more okay where do we where do we get the more um or you know what is it john um 3:30 he must increase i must decrease right uh this this yeah. this concept of more uh uh not more of our flesh not more of our own selfishness right but more of the spirit mm-hmm. living through us beautiful concept I, I wish I would have asked him about the broken mirror in his in his bed, bedroom or bathroom. He said, "Like, was that intentional? Did it break?" And he left it up there. Mm-hmm. Now it's a reminder mm-hmm. that he's a broken man in need of mm-hmm. a savior every day. I, mm-hmm. I love it. It, it. Made me want to go down and break my mirror mm-hmm. just to remind me of who I am, you know, and and how how desperate I am uh for a heavenly he, father every day that is that is forgiven me a, a broken man a sinful man well i think and i, I think he that. said yeah he said what, what's what's more beautiful a story to tell that has scars or one without yeah um and you know i think about it we we lost a tough football game this weekend and a uh, bunch you know like any game there's a million plays that could go either way you look back in a close game one possession game and think if we'd have just done this but the reality is at the end uh my my guy makes a mistake with the football and, and it costs us a chance to win the game. And, and as much as that hurts you as a parent, 
that's a scar and that's okay like that's okay it's okay to have yeah, some scar sure. like let me tell you something bro i've laid some eggs i promise you i've laid some eggs and uh you know the the scars we don't usually pray for scars but Conzo kind of uh, roughly quoted this uh in this world we will have trouble take heart i will overcome the world jesus told mm -hmm. us and uh that's, and he also made reference. I thought one of the subtle points that he coached us up on was uh, the relationship between parent and coach during the recruiting process and how it can be very light and fluffy. And then all of a sudden you get to campus and the kid's not playing or something yeah. happens socially and he gets disciplined. Like not to run from the scars, not to, to try to prevent this, right? Like, but that's the scars are actually where so much of the beauty happens. I think it's just a great perspective from a man who has some scars, you know, yeah. pretty powerful yeah. story growing up in East St. Louis. The simple prayer of thank you. Uh, he, he mentioned that one time. We were asking him about that continual conversation he has daily. And he said, it's a lot of times just as simple as the simple prayer of thank you. And that's so, man, it's so easy to just skip by and go throughout our day and, and not taking time just to say thank you for, mm. like you said, just for, for waking me up, for the sandals I have to walk on, uh, for, for the walk I have with my wife, for, for the rose I see that I can give her. So hmm. uh, he's, a, he, he's a, uh, a phenomenal guy, he gave his life to Jesus that all started by someone asking him to simply go to church. Mm -hmm. And God then, God then did the rest. So uh, good reminder as well. So, that is, yeah. An uh, adult, yeah. an adult asking a teenager to go to church changed his life. That's yeah. an incredible story. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me close this in prayer. Mm -hmm. uh, Heavenly Father, we we love you, Lord, and we thank you again to be coached up by one of yours. You know, Conzo Martin uh, by name, Father. That uh, he has given you his heart, and Lord, he lives it out the best he can every day. And Father, I pray for favor upon his life as he continues to transition out of coaching for now and waiting upon your call upon his life and uh, father we thank you for the lessons that we've learned the reminder to, that you do want to spend time with us daily hourly uh, that you are our heavenly father lord you care deeply about us father and we should take the time to to talk with you uh, on a consistent basis more than we do we thank you for the scars in our life help help us to see it that way lord and to to look at those situations with eyes of what do you want us to learn, Father? What, what do you want me to see right now? Lord, we love you. We thank you for our podcast. We thank you for our faithful sponsors, Lord, for believing in us. And we thank you for our, our listeners, Lord, our, our faithful, loyal listeners. And we pray that it continues to expand, Lord, and we point people towards you in all that we do. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.